of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. That is so sad. God created man for communion with him. The whole purpose of making Adam, God said, let's make man in our image. And every day he would walk in the garden with him. But sin entered the world. And it said it was so bad that God even repented that he had ever made man. But verse 8 is one of the most encouraging scriptures in the word of God. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One man, Noah. Because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, we get to be here today. Because God was ready to be done with us all. (laughs) You ever felt like that? (laughs) I'm just done with you all. But God, all it took was one man to find grace. And, And we know the story of Noah and the ark. And if you don't, you need to read it. It's such a good one in Genesis. Another scripture is Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house into a land I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And we all love this part. I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Do y'all consider yourself on the earth? Are you a family? So through this one man, we're talking about Abraham, all the families of the earth are blessed. Through him, we have the nation of Israel. We have Jesus' lineage. And we, even now, over how many thousands of years later, are still blessed because of that one man. There's also a man named Joseph. Y'all know the story of Joseph. Pastor Samuel preached on it not too long ago. There, his, uh, he had some dreams. He was a dreamer. And he shared those dreams with his brothers. The only problem was, the dream was, that all his big brothers were bowing down to him. And they didn't like that very much. He kind of, I don't know if he had a little boastfulness in them, but they took it that way and they were mad. And they sold him into slavery and told his father that he was dead when he was only 17 years old. But Genesis 45, 5 says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. So they sold him into slavery. He ended up in prison, but he interpreted some dreams for Pharaoh, and he ended up being second in the nation of Egypt, only second to Pharaoh. And they said, Everything that Joseph says to do, do it. And there were seven years of famine. And everyone in the whole world had to come to Egypt to buy food, including Joseph's brothers. But because of Joseph, that one man being willing to follow after God, even in horrible circumstances, he was completely innocent and yet sold into slavery. He told his brothers, don't be sorry that you sent me here. God sent me here to preserve life. Because I'm here, I can save you. And that one man made a difference. Exodus 3, 7 through 8 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And one man, Moses, became the deliverer. So there were millions of people had been in bondage 
to the Egyptians for 400 years. And they cried out to the Lord because they knew the stories of Abraham. They knew the stories of Joseph. But it says Pharaoh grew up who didn't remember Joseph. And he became a taskmaster taskmaster over the Hebrews. But God said, I have heard them. And he told Moses, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And because Moses went, we know that they were delivered. And all the mighty, mighty miracles he did in the wilderness, all because one man was willing to go. First Samuel 16, 7 said, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So uh, Samuel the prophet went to Jesse's house to find the next king to be king over Israel. And he had seven sons that were there. And they were very nice-looking warriors. They had fought. They were fighting in the army against the Philistines. And he went down each one. He thought, well, surely this will be the one. No, surely this will be the one because they just how they looked. They looked like they could be king material. And God says, nope, I've refused them. And he says, is there anyone else? And Jesse said, well, there remains the youngest in verse 11. And then in verse 12, he says, now he was ready and with all a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And that was King David. So David was just a teenager, out in the field, serving his father, tending the sheep. Nobody thought he was anything special. He was ruddy. And I looked up the word ruddy in the Strong's Concordance. It means red. So maybe he was a redhead. You know, and he was just like out there. But it does say he was goodly to look at. So that's good. He was a cute little redhead. <laughs> and he was just out there working, and they didn't think he was going to be anything. But even as a teenager, he defeated Goliath. When no one else would go, he said, I'll go. It only took one man. And not only that, he had the heart after God. God said he has a heart after me. He failed miserably many, many times. But yet he was able to design the temple that uh, God would live in. God told David, would I have a house? David had a heart to build God a house. So that one man changed Israel forever. Daniel 6, 25 and 27 says, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, languages, that dwell in all the earth, in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble in fear. Before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which will not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heaven and earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this was um, later in life. Daniel's like 80 years old. And people didn't like him very much because he was the top notch, too. And they said, we want to do something to knock him down off his pedestal. But the only fault they could find in him was the fact that he prayed three times a day. So they told the king, you know, stroking the king's ego, how about we make a decree that no one can pray to anyone but you? And the king thought that sounded like a good idea. And so he did. But he forgot about Daniel because the king really liked Daniel. He didn't want him to go in the lion's den, but he had already made the decree. It says, Daniel went into his room, as every time before, opened the windows, faced Jerusalem, and prayed. 
He didn't hide out. He didn't try to like, you know, I'll go pray, but I'll just leave the windows closed today because the king made a decree. No, he still opened his windows and did like he had done before, and they got him. The king had already made the decree. He couldn't change his word, and they threw Daniel into the den of lions. And we know that he survived the night. The angels shut the mouths of the lions. And the king said, Daniel, the next morning, are you there? Did your God save you? And Daniel said, fear not, O king, for my God has saved me. And then listen to what Darius said. All people, all nations, all languages that dwell in all the earth tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Because of one man, Daniel, everyone in the entire earth had to serve only God. One man made a difference. Daniel made a difference by taking a stand, being faithful in prayer. This next one's kind of a funny one, but I really wanted to include it because we kind of fall in this category sometimes. Jonah 3.10 says, When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So I don't know if you remember the story of Jonah and the whale. Do you remember that? So God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. What you may not know is Jonah hated the Ninevites. They were not his group of people. He didn't care for them. Talk about, you know, all the stuff that goes on in our nation right now, a lot of disunity, disharmony, this group siding against this group. Well, Jonah, he went the opposite direction, and that's when he had to meet the belly of the whale. <laughs> you need to reread Jonah. But Jonah repented. He knew, well, he was inside of a whale. He had to do something. So he repented. He's like, okay, God, I'll go. And the whale spit him up on the land. He had to backtrack because he went on the ship the other direction. The whale spit him up. He had to backtrack and go to Nineveh. He gets to Nineveh, and he hates them. He was really kind of happy that God was going to destroy Nineveh. But he preached anyway because God told him to. If you don't repent, God is going to destroy you. It said the king heard the words of Jonah fell on his face, tore his clothes, made everybody. All the animals had to fast, all the children had to fast, all the people had to fast. Everyone repented of the evil that they had been doing. And it says that God declared that he would not destroy them anymore. God changed his mind because people repented. It's not too late. It's never too late. As long as you're breathing, if you call upon God, it is not too late. And Jonah, yeah, that's good. We can clap at that. <laughs> Jonah was mad. <laughs> He's like, I knew that if I preached, you were going to save him. He was really kind of mad about it. Jonah had a bad attitude. But regardless, he obeyed God. And so because of that one man, Jonah, even though he did it with a bad spirit, he still saved a nation because he obeyed God. So sometimes we just have to step out of our comfort zone and do things that we would not normally do. This is not anything he wanted to do, but he did it because God told him to do it. And an entire nation was saved because of one man, Jonah. Matthew chapter 1, 19 through 24 says, And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. 
And then it gives the prophecy of Jesus. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. One man, Joseph, the father of Jesus, he could have chosen to walk away from Mary. And he would have missed raising the Son of God. But he listened to a dream. God told him he had every right to walk away. But he was still a righteous man. I think that's such a, a powerful point to look at with Joseph. He was willing to do it secretly. He didn't want to make Mary look bad. He loved her. But God told him what to do. And Joseph not only listened to God this time in a dream, but also when they had to escape Herod and go to Egypt because Herod was going to kill all the babies. And then again, God spoke to him in a dream to return back that Herod had died and they could return home. So Joseph listened to God repeatedly, time and time again. And because that one man listened to the Lord, he was able to be the father of Jesus and raise the Jesus that we all know and love. And that's our next scripture. John 1, 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 29 through 30 says, The next day, this is John the Baptist, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, this is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. One man, Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. He is the one through whom we are granted eternal life and have forever eternal communion with our Heavenly Father through this one man. And I was listening this morning. I like to listen on Sunday mornings. Um, to a, a, a friend of ours who pastors in England. So it's uh, live there while we're sleeping. So I watched the recorded service. And he was talking about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and how that we remember the story when Pilate says, Don't you know that I have the power to, of life and death? I can take your life. And Jesus said, You have no power over me. I give my life. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels. He had every power to walk away. But he said, not my will, but thine be done. No one took his life. He freely gave his life. And because of that one man, even 2,000 years later, he's probably the name that all the people can know and recognize. Even if they aren't Christians, they know when you say the name of Jesus who we're referring to the Son of God. And there's reverence following that name. There's also condemnation following that name. There's a bunch of controversy following that name because he's the only name that can really make a difference in your life. And you need to call upon the name of Jesus. And we will come back to that again in a minute. I want to read to you Romans 8, 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So I picked this scripture because hopefully that is you today. Hopefully you've called upon the name of Jesus. Hopefully you are being led by the Spirit of God. Hopefully you are a son of God. 
I want to say to you that you are the man. All of the young men here today, whether you're a father yet or not, you are the man. You are the one who can make a difference in your world. You're the one who can make a difference in your home, in your marriage, to your children's lives, to your job, to your school, wherever you are every day, you are the man. There's a saying that goes, helping one person might not change the whole world, but it could change the world for that person. You could be the one to make a difference in the world of someone else. In your world, in your realm of influence, you are the one. None of these examples today are perfect men, with the exception of Jesus. Noah, if we read the whole story, he got drunk. Abraham lied on more than one occasion. Joseph bragged continuously to his family, got reproved by his father. David committed adultery and murder. Jonah ran. Joseph doubted. But God still used each one to change their generation. And God wants to use you to change this generation. If you are breathing, God has purpose for your life. You are not done yet. God wants to change you no matter your age. I already said it. Joseph was only 17 when he got sold into slavery and still made a difference. David was just a teenager when he was anointed king and then fought and killed Goliath. Daniel was 80 years old when he was thrown into the lion's den. So it doesn't matter where you fit on the spectrum. God still wants to use you. God may be waiting on you to raise your voice to save our nation. Someone has to do it. You may be the one. Um, I'm very blessed in my life because I am blessed with a wonderful father. And I have so many stories I could tell. I can remember when I was a little girl uh, walking through the uh, house and, and daddy being sat at the dining room table with books out and notes out, studying. For a while, they taught the youth group at our church, taught Bible study, different things, sometimes studying for his master's degree, sometimes football plays, but always a man of study. I know in the seventh grade, I got in a fight. I know that's hard to believe. Y'all thought I was perfect. <laughs> Y'all know I'm not. Um, but there's me and this other girl. We both played wing on the basketball team. Now, I was not the best player on the team. I played seventh and eighth grade, and I averaged one point per year. So I would get fouled and make one of my two free throws. But I worked hard, and I was there at every practice, and I was in her position. She was the good one, and I was the not. But uh, we still, but she just was picking on me. I mean, picking on me all the time, pushing me around, saying things in the locker room, you know, because I was, you know, how the B string has to be the guards on the A, the A team. And so I was guarding her because that's my position, and it was just like, ugh very frustrating and we left the little gym because we had a little gym and a big gym we left the little gym we we're standing out there and she just had said one thing too much 
and I just whirled around, and I don't even remember. I think I just did a complete circle. I don't know. But I bloodied her lip. Yep. She did not pick on me anymore. Those were the days before zero tolerance. I'm not really a fan of zero tolerance. Anyway, I think people need a chance to make a mistake and learn from their mistake. You know, where's your opportunity for growth if you don't make mistakes? But anyhow, I got in a little trouble, not the worst trouble, because, you know, she'd been picking on me. And I got home and had to face my mom and daddy, which they already knew everything that ever happened before I got home to tell them because they both were at the school. And Daddy, I can remember him taking me in his lap and setting me down. And we really loved Kenny Rogers back then. I can sing all the songs still. I have to have the words for today's worship, but I know every lyric to Kenny Rogers' 40 Greatest Hits by heart. And Daddy said, sometimes it's like the coward of the county. You have to fight when you're a man. And I'm not a man, but a little girl. But anyway, it worked. And I cannot hear that song without thinking that. But I, he, he knew that sometimes you have to stand up for yourself. That's just one story. Then in the eighth grade, we had this girl move in. And she was kind of redneck. She was, uh, some people think that we were redneck, but she was redneck. And, uh... She was rough around the edges, and she was going to our church, and she was, I did not like her very much, and honestly, she didn't like me either. She thought I was snooty. What? It's crazy. And I was just, I can remember sitting in daddy's lap and crying and telling him I just don't like her, and he's just like, you know what, baby? You don't have to be everybody's best friend, because I guess I thought I did. He said, you don't have to be everybody's best friend, but you you just be kind, you be nice, and you, do you believe we ended up being pretty much best friends throughout high school and she even lived with us for several months because mom and daddy let her move in when her parents were going through a divorce and her dad was in truck driving school and she actually lived with us for a while and then just the other day we were uh there's so many stories I could tell but we were me and a couple of ladies were out eating at Daniel Boone's Beans and Burgers and the waitress came up, and I introduced her because she went to my high school. And I said, y'all, this is, she went to my high school. I won't say her name. But um, I said, my daddy coached her in basketball. She said, oh, no, it's much more. She said, he was a second father to me. My daddy died when I was in junior high, and I didn't have anybody, and I went to him for everything. So daddy was the one man, not just for me, not just for my sister, but for whoever went through his class. I know Jill and Johnny had him in junior high when he was a beginning teacher. And he stepped up and took the place and filled in the gap. And so maybe you're like, I don't have a father figure in my life. But there's somebody there that can be the one for you. Or maybe you need to be the one for someone else. Maybe you can look out and see people going through trouble, going through trials, and say, wow, I can meet that need. I can be the one to make the difference in that. But you have to be the one to listen to the Lord, be sensitive to his calling, and be mindful. Are you going to be obedient? Even if it goes against everything you thought you stood for, if God is telling you to do it, 
will you go or do you need a fish to follow, swallow you up like Jonah? We don't want to have to go through the belly of the fish. Perhaps you feel unworthy or unqualified or even afraid, but that's where Jesus comes in. He'll do his part. He'll cover your inadequacies. He's advocating for you at the right hand of the Father, and he'll give you boldness to stand and speak. He's the one who will never leave you or forsake you. He'll make you new. He will equip you to be the one man that you've been called to be. And we all need you. I want to read this one last passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 12, 13 through 18. It says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Yet for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, Because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, does that make the foot any less a part of the body? If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, does that really make it any less of a part of the body? But the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. So think about that. Your part is important to all of us because you may be the hand and you may be the foot and you may be the ear and you may be the eye but have you ever stumped your toe if your toe is not working right guess what your whole body knows it is that not right we need you to do your part if you are not being the one that God created you to be then we all suffer because of it So I encourage you today, for all you fathers out there, be the one man that will make a difference in your world. And in turn, all of our worlds will be better because of you. And at that, I'm going to invite all of our fathers to stand. Will all our fathers stand up? Amen. And come forward to the front, please. We're so thankful for you today. We're thankful for the men of God in our lives. Everybody here I know has a story like I do for my dad. I know my children have lots of stories about their dad and the different things that have meant something in their lives. Whether you've been a dad for 51 years or whether you've been a dad for four months, you're still a very integral part of that, those children's lives. You are the one thing that can make a difference for them. And we're going to say a prayer over you, and we have a little gift for you. Um, we have a little keychain for you, and I know Pastor Samuel may have something to say about it. I'm not sure. It's got a little uh, tire pressure gauge built in, something that... Um, I know he uses often, so hopefully it'll be something y'all will use as well with a little scripture card in there for you. But let's just go ahead and let's pray over our fathers this morning. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much that you are our Heavenly Father and you are a good, good Father. And Lord, I thank you that you placed men on this earth to be examples of you for us. 
We are thankful for our fathers today, Lord. We thank you for each and every one. And Lord, I just pray that you would have just bless them, Lord. Just give them a special hug today, God. Let them know that they are treasured and valued. Lord, and just give them an, an extra oomph to just get out and be the one that they need to be in their world to impact people. Lord, let them hear your voice like never before and give them the boldness to step forward and do your will in their everyday life. And we just thank you for them and we just bless them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Give them another hand. Amen. And how do we want to give these gifts out? Well, here are the children. Can we let the children do that? Yay! Nathan, can you get all the children to come up front? Y'all all come up front. Right here, Kayla, can y'all help them, Angel? Here, Pastor Samuel's got this. And everybody get one of these and give one to all the men. Can y'all do that? See in that trunk right there? Yes, they're going to pass them out. Thank y'all. Give one to everybody. All the men want to get one. Amen. Come on, give Miss Amy another big hand clap. What a great message today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I mean, how many? If you do not have a gift, raise your hand so the kids will know. Everybody have one? Okay, everybody's got it? All right. Okay, all of you men, I want you to say this with me. Say, I am the one. Amen. You are the one. What a great message. Amen. And she didn't tell you the story about when she sat in the back of her daddy's truck and dipped snuff. Oh, yeah. I think she was a little redneck. I just tried it one time. And when I spit, I spit the whole thing out at once and never tried it again. So just so you know, it was only once. (laughs) Amen. Guys this little tire pressure gauge. Now listen, you can blow in it to see how much hot air you have. You can put it right here to see how much air is in your spare tire. Uh, but uh, I want to hear, just listen to this. It says you're a spiritual warrior. You are the one. You're the one that battles for your family, for your children, for your spouse. And it just Ephesians six eleven. put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Listen, you are the one. You're the spiritual leader of your family. And listen, who's going to be the one in this generation to step up and make a difference in our world? I declare today, it's you. And we're excited about what God has done and doing in your life. So, amen. Come on, give these fathers one more big hand clap. You can go be seated. Thank you so much. Amen. Miss Amy's going to finish up with our announcements and then pastor. But just let me really encourage you. Come on. Wednesday nights. Do not miss Wednesday nights, dear, in summer. 
the youth are still going strong. Uh, camp's coming up. The, the children have their classes right here in the auditorium. We have a wonderful uh, group and a time of Bible study. So be sure to join us on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8. And uh, we'll be blessed to see you. So listen, be sure to listen up, hear what's coming up. And uh, we love you. God bless you. You did a wonderful job.